Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Sequoia Sierra. And Sequoia, I want to welcome you. First of all, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. And if you would be so kind as to open us with a brief word of prayer, I think we would all be appreciative. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we ask you to pour out your blessings upon us and all who listen to this show. Um, and we specifically ask this through the intercession of Our Lady and through St. Norbert's intercession, as it's the 900th uh, Jubilee year of the Norbertine Order. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, before we go too much further, I want to tell you that we were kind of half laughing before we got started that we were <laughs> going to play Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in right. here. Because today, we're talking to someone who is in your neighborhood. And Catholics throughout our diocese have many different stripes and backgrounds. Right. And... Just to look at you, you're, you're dressed as a normal woman would dress as a Catholic. You've at least got a, a little pendant around right. your... Well, who is on the pendant? <laughs> at St. Benedict. Oh, St. Benedict. It's a small yeah. one, but I, yeah. guess I couldn't quite see who that was. But but you wouldn't know, to look at you, that you've got all this background we're going to talk about. Sequoia, first of all, tell me, where are you from and where do you live now? So I'm from Los Angeles originally, um, like Monrovia specifically. I was okay. born in Monrovia at the Carmelites Hospital okay. um, at the time when it was one. And now I live in Tribuco Canyon. Okay. So you're here in Orange County. Yes. You've been here for more than, than two or three years. You've been right. here for about seven, but in, yes. involved with the county for quite some time. Yeah, for quite a while before then. I was kind of like a, a bi-county person in mm-hmm. that I would be live in L.A., but come down to O.C. several times a week. What was drawing you to O.C.? Mainly the Norbertines. The Norbertines. <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> so so you were in Los Angeles, but coming down to Orange County, right. and someone said, why don't you just move here? <laughs> and oh, you I did. wanted to. I did, yeah. <laughs> So you are involved with Norbertines. Yes. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Well, I'm a lay Norbertine. I'm professed. I've been professed for a while, which means you go through a period of formation and then you make your promise to the order. It's not like a solemn promise. But you're not a nun. No. No, no, I'm lay. And a lot of our lay members are married and they have children. So it's not um, it's not that type of a thing that would impede somebody from, you know, living out a different type of vocation. But I, I think there are a number of Catholics Mm-hmm. who perhaps were never raised in, in like a Catholic uh, school or something like that. Right. And even a lot of them who have been raised in a Catholic school who may not know that there are different varieties of spiritual life right. that are actually sponsored by people, like the Norbertines in this case, right. where lay people can participate in a full-time life calling mm-hmm. but still be lay people in the community. Exactly. Wow. So how did you... Get involved in that, and because you're involved in a whole bunch of different things, <laughs> right? And in fact, I'll just let the cat out of the bag for part of this. You're one of the people who makes the vestments for for priests in the area. Yes, I want to come back to that in a little bit. What got you involved in the Norbertines? 
Well, I met a Norbertine when I was about 13 or 14, and he became my confessor at the time. And so that was my initial introduction to the Norbertines. Where were you at the time? I was actually at the Carmelites, because I was somewhat raised by them yeah. for part of my life. You were and born so, there. Yes, well, okay. born there. But so then, they claimed you. Yes, they They put they their did. mark on you. And <laughs> they did. And in fact... They're still trying to arm twist you to come back, right? <laughs> well, well, yeah, I'm still part of the family. Okay. Uh, I still go. I was actually just there yesterday. Um, but <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Right. Okay. <laughs> but so I was there, um, you know, because that was just my life. And I, you know, for a time, I did think I was going to enter with them. But because of health reasons, I ended up discerning that that wasn't my calling. But I met, you know, a Norbertine there. And that was my introduction to them. So until about the age of 18, I was very Carmelite because that's what I thought my future was. But then it was after that when I discerned, okay, this isn't my calling. I looked at other orders and then just started to change my life course and got into design work and that sort of a thing. But I, I knew that I needed something like what I had with the Carmelites. I needed some kind of religiousness in my life. Let me let me pause you for just a moment. I'm going to yes. go back for a minute. So you got into design work. Design mm-hmm. could be anything. What do you mean by design right. work? Particularly like fashion, clothing. So I went okay. to school for costume design and fashion design and merchandise. And, and your mom has been in the industry. We're talking about that as well. Right. Yeah, with so hair extensions. Hair extensions but as far and, as and hair design. Celebrity that type of thing. sort of clientele. She's still mm-hmm. involved with the Los Angeles Hollywood crowd. Yes. And while we won't name names, right? <laughs> you, you, you did talk about a few of them off off the air. Right. They're A-listers. They're they're right. they're big time A-listers. So. Your family comes from a well-established, artistic yes. embrace exactly. of God's call to beauty. Right. And so with that in mind, you it's kind of interesting because you were saying that you're called, you felt called from an early age to some sort of religious life. So you went into beauty school. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Most people would not draw that same, that same conclusion, but right. somehow you did because you see beauty as being integral to our call with God. Right. I mean, the formal education for those things was after the fact I had discerned out because I was expecting as soon as I was done with high school to enter the Carmelites. That was, that was my goal. (laughs) You're going to put on black Um, and read Teresa. Right. Yeah. It, you know, that, that's what I thought was going to happen. But there was always that pull, even even though I knew I was going to enter, I always had wanted to be a fashion designer and design clothing and garments. It's it's always been a love of mine. My mom said that, you know, she would give me fabric s- scraps as a child, as a toddler even, mm. and I would make clothes on my dolls, even with before I could sew, the way I would tie and wrap it around. And she was just always like, wow, like... <laughs> Ever make any habits for your dolls? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> just, just checking. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was always there. So when God was like, all right, you're not called to enter right now, I was like, all right, well, I'll go to my other love of design then. Let's not move on too fast. <laughs> you, you, you were saying that you felt like spiritually you were right. called to enter. Yes. But physically, there were some challenges. Can we talk yes. a little bit about that? We're not sure. in great detail, but what yeah. happened? Well, so there was a lot of things at that time with the Carmelites where I was like, okay, I need to step away, which had to do with some family trauma and drama and things like that. But it was also at the same time where I had um, my autoimmune disease kind of come out. Okay. Of the so you have an autoimmune disease. Yes. Now, what is an autoimmune disease for just those who, of us right. who are listening who may not know a whole lot? 
So autoimmune diseases can vary in their symptoms, but generally it's just your body will shut down. It, they're usually marked by chronic fatigue. You know, you can have a lot of blood sugar issues, things like that, hormone issues, just like everything in your body is off. Sometimes they have joint pains and right, things like yeah. that because some autoimmune diseases will attack joints and, exactly. and all sorts yeah. of things. Okay, so with that autoimmune disease diagnosis, mm-hmm. One of the things about going to religious life is that you're there to serve, not be served. Right, exactly. So it's not it's not that most orders will immediately reject you for that. On mm-hmm. the contrary, they generally don't have that kind of a rule. I, I know, for example, Father Spitzer, when he was on here, Father Spitzer, when he was discerning, discovered that he had an issue. Oh, wow. And, and that eventually did result in him going blind. Gosh. But he revealed that, and and they took him anyway. Right. The the bottom line is, it's it's how do you plan to serve and exactly. go about? And some orders are are different than others. So the Carmelite yeah. order was not going to be a good fit for you to be able to serve the way you wanted to. So you ask God, okay, Lord, what's your plan A, but my plan B? Right. Well, and it wasn't just like. Carmelites, it was really any order because I would have to have way too many exemptions as far as like the amount of rest I might need. Like there would be mornings where I like, you know, even now it's like, yes, I try to get to daily mass, but there's some mornings I I can't. There's, you know, those kinds of fatigue issues. And then even like fasting wise, like you kind of have to have what you're served in the convent. They'll they'll make some exceptions um, or certain dietary issues. But you can't, like, have all of the dietary issues that I have. Like, it, it's a yeah. pain. There's okay. very few places I can even go out to eat because okay. I have to eat such a specific way. So it's a very fine balance. So it really is just the orarium of any convent is not going to fit with me maintaining my health, unfortunately. Okay. Right. So as you were going through high school era, the end mm-hmm. of high school, you were discerning right. all this and discovering. When did you get the diagnosis or when did you discover that you were you had an autoimmune issue well was that like high school era it was about yeah around 18 where i started to really figure out and put pieces together because you know it's it was kind of an unknown thing at the time sure but it wasn't until much later on until i actually figured out what it was exactly um so it was a process and even still i mean you know i feel like with autoimmune you're always discovering and finding ways to better yourself like even a year and a half ago i mean one doctor i went to was like you're basically dying like you're pretty close to death so it's like oh <laughs> wonderful thank you for that i'm um, going to get a second opinion <laughs> but but i you know thanks be to god i have found so many natural resources that i've yeah. been like my health now is better than it's been in years oh, good. so thanks be to god it's so much more manageable so you came to the conclusion that you couldn't put on the habit right Mm-hmm. Uh, which is actually in Los Angeles. They're pretty warm, so it's right. there, there are French benefits to, to not. But you eventually found the Norbertines. The right. Norbertine priests that you were going to for confession began talking to you about what they do. Right. How are the Norbertines able to accommodate someone like you who can't commit to a daily regimen of being a professed nun or a professed right. sister, but nevertheless want to have a more regular spiritual daily life? Well, so the Norbertines were the first to have a lay order historically, but then every order, pretty much the Franciscans, the Carmelites, they all have their own lay orders, the Dominicans. Um, so their formation is a bit different from order to order, but basically it's a period of time where you learn about the order spirituality and how to incorporate that in your particular life. So for instance, some of our lay order members are married. So if they're married and they have children, little ones, some of them homeschool, their rule of life is going to look very different from mine <laughs> Okay. as to what we can do each day. But because we're not professed religious, 
our we can change our rule around. So if I'm not feeling well and I don't go to mass one day, you know, yeah. during the week, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Whereas a religious who would be continually missing, that would be. So that's how it kind of fits in. And it's really nice in that I can live out a religious spirituality in my secular life. And but I can make it fit into the needs of my work and my health. Now, this was when you were still living in the Los Angeles County area. That I began. You first began yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how often were you heading down to to services uh, in Orange oh, County? Oh, gosh. Probably minimum twice a week, but sometimes more. Okay. <laughs> now you've moved to the Garden Grove area, so you're much, much closer. No, I'm in Tribuco Canyon now. Oh, Tribuco but Canyon. Okay, you, you I moved went to, to Garden Grove. Yeah, That's right, that was my first stop when I moved into OC. So you're much closer to the Norbert. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm as close as you can get without like living <laughs> directly in the canyon. You can walk, too. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Almost, okay. So so how often are you over there? Is this almost every day? Basically every day, yeah. Every day. <laughs> are you able to go to Mass at most mornings there, then? Yeah. It, okay. Mm-hmm. No, and it's then, wonderful. What else is part of being in a lay Norbertine calling? So, you know, the the liturgy of the hours is a huge mark of the Norbertine order. So participating in that. So I try to go to the different hours of the office when I can. Um, Vespers is probably the one I try to make that fits best in my schedule. You know the Psalms. (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully. <Yes. laughs> so, I, you know, I try to make it to that as well. And that's just uh, uh, definitely our lay order members are encouraged to attend some of the liturgy of the hours whenever they can. Do you also you also work? You're, you're doing this, yes. the, the creative things. So right. in, a, in essence, you're basically kind of doing a hybrid. Right. <laughs> you're, you're doing this sort of this. It's not sort of this professed Norbertine daily life along with the vocation that you do in the secular world. Right. Lay Norberting. A big difference because definitely they have way more prayer than than I do. (laughs) You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Sequoia Sierra, and we've been talking about how she got involved in this lay professed Norbertine lifestyle. But we brought her on actually not to talk so much about that, but to talk about church vestments and how she's involved and engaged in that very important creative activity. When we come back, we're going to talk more about that and You'll hear a lot more about what it's like to be in Sequoia's life. (laughs) We will be right back. We learn so many extraordinary insights each and every day on Spirit-Filled Radio. Listen to these words from Sister Kit Gray, a recent guest of Father Christopher Smith on the Cathedral Square Radio Show, talking about the year of St. Joseph. Pope Francis's reflection on the quality of Joseph, again, of being this worker in the background. And he talks about our renewed appreciation for people who do the everyday keep the place running kinds of jobs. He says how many people daily exercise patience and offer hope. Doctors, nurses, storekeepers, supermarket workers, cleaning personnel, caregivers, transport workers, men and women working to provide essential services and public safety. His point is we can look to St. Joseph. And we can see in these people some of the virtues of St. Joseph. That's so beautiful and so timely. Yeah. Because many of those professions that Francis mentioned are not ones that we would normally highlight. No. And yet they are essential and needed. And to, in some ways, kind of give them an increased dignity on one hand and also a patron to look toward. For more, come find us at spiritfilledmedia.org. 
Spirit-Filled Radio is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Sequoia Sierra, who is a person in your neighborhood. <laughs> she is involved with the Norbertines as a professed lay Norbertine, and that involves a hybrid lifestyle, essentially, of daily engagement with the Norbertine spirituality in life, but also she is in the secular world, and we've been talking a little bit about how she got involved in the Norbertine lifestyle, but one of the interesting things is what you actually do in the right. secular world. Now, you came out of the beauty industry, sort of. Right, right. And you were involved in a lot of things. We were talking before, you you had been involved in beauty work yourself, too. You, right. You were involved in, in pageant work and stuff like right. that. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about that background and how that brought you into designing and making vestments for clergy. Okay. Well, it is quite a journey that only God could put together because they don't make sense <laughs> to go together <laughs> normally. Like I said, it's God's plan A, just our plan B right, or C. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so my mother has a hair extension kind of empire. She's a hair extension specialist and an inventor. And so she's done a lot of celebrity clientele. So I grew up with that. You mentioned she's got some patents that you've helped her yes, get yes, for hair extensions. Yes, yes, I've helped her file patents for hair extensions. Yeah. Wow. She has some new inventions coming out. So that some are of these A-listers to... walking down the red carpet with that extra long hair, <laughs> you can't tell. That exactly. probably is your mother. Probably. Probably. <laughs> All right. Yep. It'll be either my mother or my aunt because they're both in the same business. Uh, so <laughs> Everyone on the A-list wants yeah. to get, a, get an appointment. I see. Exactly. Okay. Um, so she's been doing that. So that was kind of, you know, grew up with that. In I was grateful in that it was never... Um, I guess the glitz of Hollywood wasn't as much of a thing because it was kind of like, oh, this is just daily life, you know, yeah. when you do this person and that person that's a celebrity. And, you know, having met them, I just realized, like, okay, these people are like us, you know, or I could be in that position and it's not, it's not a big deal. So I was glad that that kind of unbeknownst to my mother or even myself kind of just gave me that level head when I did go into the industry. Um, to not be so impressed or not be willing to like sell everything just for a little taste of that. Cause it was like, eh, I've yeah. seen this before, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it wasn't a big deal. But like I had mentioned, you know, after discerning, okay, not called to enter the convent. Now what? So then it was like, all right, well, I can go back to something that's always been a love and a passion of mine, which is design. So it's like, okay, Lord, I'll do that. So I actually went to Christendom College for a little while as well, mm -hmm. but ended up coming back and then doing, you know, costume design, fashion design, and merchandising. Christendom College is such a liberal... Liberal, liberal arts. <laughs> so it was great. It's, it's well known to be very, very straight and narrow for most of its of what it does. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, but I, I was grateful that it gave me a really solid foundation in my faith so that when I went to these secular schools, that I was well prepared yeah. intellectually and I could stand for my morals. So it was it was definitely God using all of that. Like there hasn't been a waste of anything. Let me, been let, nice. let me back up for a moment because yeah. you do bring up an interesting point. Most people would would say, I think anyway, that their interpretation, their their impression of the Hollywood crowd is that it would be hard to maintain your faith in the it Hollywood is. environment. I'm assuming your mother, I don't want you to diss your mother. We can always <laughs> rewind and erase this if we right. want to. But 
How does your mother and your family and you right. go through that and come out such strong Catholics? Right. Well, I mean, I don't think my mother would mind me saying that she's a Catholic in uh, in progress. Okay. Um, but she's definitely always has stuck to a lot of her morals overall, okay. but she's definitely not perfect, and she would be okay. the first to admit that. So you hear that, everyone? Pray for her mother. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. okay, just kidding, well, just yes. Kidding. I mean, my mom but would yes. love the prayers anytime. But no, but she's definitely still has, has been able to you know keep to her morals. And I think, okay. luckily, when you are just beautifying somebody, yeah. it's a little different. You're providing a service, and it's a yes. professional service for exactly. professional people, and they take this very seriously. So that helps to <laughs> yeah, the, I, separate yourself from I certain would think things. So. Okay. Yeah. So your job is a job, and it's there. Right. Okay. Yeah. But that was that was then. Mm-hmm. Then it, you began to, when you came down and began getting involved with the Norbertines, how did that change a little bit about what you did? Right. Well, so that's the thing. With the work that I was doing with costume design, you don't have just a job as much as, like, say, my mother does with the industry, where it's like, okay, she can do a celebrity's hair. Doesn't mean she's supporting that celebrity's lifestyle or anything right. like that. Whereas when I got a script... You are inherently a part of that film. You're in the room for every scene. You're, you know, dressing the actor and actresses. And there were certain scripts I would get where I was like, I don't want to be in the room when this is going on. Like, this is not moral. I do not want to be witness or part and parcel to this. So I had to stop, you know, start saying, like, I'm not available. I'm not available, like, over and over. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get into Eventually, they're going to say, you're not available for the wrong Anything. reasons. Yeah. Well, and also, it was like, okay, well, wow. there goes more work. There goes more work. Um, So I did have a lot of those situations. And then even being on set, it was just the environment started to get really toxic. And while you are called to be a light, you know, and I would try, eventually I realized, okay, I can't like when it's just me on set and me alone. It, they kind of overpower. So I'm not really going to be of benefit to them. So the the Christian ethos that you have Mm -hmm. is not only not appreciated, it's somewhat squelched or squashed right. or I hate to use the word attack because that sounds like it's, it's yeah. intentional. I'm not so convinced it's intentional. It just mm-hmm. is. It just is. Yeah. There's a guy that I understand in has been involved in plays on Broadway mm-hmm. and he recently he said something about his faith mm-hmm. and he was fired oh, and now wow. he's um, he's suing them. But even if he wins, he's saying my whole life is, is done because no one's going to hire me. Right. Now that they know that I'm a Christian yeah. who'll stand up for my faith. Right. That's exactly. that's this industry, isn't it? It is. It is. And so it came to a crux to where it was like, all right, being on set is becoming really toxic overall. I mean, there's a few that have were okay. And then it was just kind of like, how much work can I keep saying no to? Like, this isn't going to be a viable business because I'm going to be out of work so often. So it just, I felt in my soul, like I didn't want to do it anymore. Like there was yeah. just no desire any longer That's, to do that. That work. is so interesting because I think so many people have these fantasies about. Yeah. Oh, I just want to be in the Hollywood crowd. Right. <laughs> Every day I get to walk to work along the, the with the stars along yeah. Hollywood Boulevard and yeah, and it's just this this wonderful experience and yeah. it's toxic. Yeah. From a Christian perspective, for your experience anyway. Exactly. What you you encountered. Yeah. And you were involved in some mainline productions. Um, I would say they were all independent filmmakers. They weren't like, you know, an A-list film um, because you have to be a part of the union. And in order to get in the union, you have to get so many of these other things. And so it was like a catch-22. 
Um, but even still, it's a small set. It's similar to a big set. Same kind of thing. It's, you know, same kind of people overall. The genre of people and what their ethos right. is is very similar. Right. And it just, there were, like the desire to be in that industry that I had had before just was completely gone. But it was like, all right, Lord, well, what do I do? What do I do with my love of design? That's such an if- interesting question. <laughs> We, yeah. we we had another person on a couple of years ago who had done several productions here, play productions hmm. in, in the Diocese of Orange, and he had come out of the professional background, right. but uh, not so much in the movie side of the house, but on the, the play production side of the house. And he described a very similar ethos mm-hmm. that his solution was to form his own Christian company yeah. and, and attack it that way. Mm-hmm. What did you end up doing? So for me, I just realized this isn't what I want to do anymore. It's just it took out the the love and the passion for that kind of work. But I still wanted to use the gifts that I have, you know, with design, because that is a passion of mine. Makes it hard when no one's willing to pay for for costumes unless they're (laughs) doing a exactly certain films. Yeah. So it was around that time actually where I was just like, I don't know, maybe I need a. And I've always loved. I mean, I'm creative, but I also like, you know analytical logic, things like that. That's why I've, I like to file my mother's patents for her invention. <laughs> like that's, I love law. I love canon law. Um, so I have that kind of side where I was like, maybe I need to go to law school. Like, I don't know. Maybe I need to change my whole life because this isn't working. And at that time, a religious nun friend of mine, their order needed to like redo their habits because they were kind of like a newish order. And she was like, Sequoia, you're a Catholic. You're a designer. You could redesign her habits. Oh, wait. So, so who, <laughs> who was this that said that to you? So this was a nun. A nun. A friend of mine. Okay. Yeah. Southern California and nun? Kind of Southern California-ish. Okay. In California. Yeah. In California. Okay. <laughs> and they said, we need you to... To do to to redesign or to to, to redesign. Wow. Yeah, because they were a new order that had to submit to the diocese okay. of like their new plan for a different kind of habit, and uh, it just was like this epiphany because it's like I had never I had always thought I, like it had been a secret desire to design yeah. a habit, but I thought short of being called to found my own order that would never happen. Right. So it was like, wait, you mean I could actually do that? Like. Cool. <laughs> so she's really the one who helped give birth to that idea of tying those two together. So God definitely used her to be like, look, you can combine your faith and design, and this is what you're called to do. So how did that work? How did that work out? <laughs> what, what did you end up doing? Well, it's funny, too, because they ended up not changing the design, so I ended up not working with them on okay. that. But it gave birth to everything else. So just sure. from there, okay. I immediately, and it was it was definitely another confirmation from God, because as soon as I started doing that, it was like clients just appeared in the sense of like, okay, this priest needs vestments, and this person needs a cassock and an alb, and I'm doing other religious orders habits now. We have several orders that, you know, we're the regular yeah. people for that. So and it and it's just been growing, thanks be to God. It's it's starting to be at that point where I think it's really like its own animal now. <laughs> wow. So so does that mean there, there are there are seven seasons in, in the church, something like that? <laughs> the liturgical and seasons. Each of yeah. them each of them has their own outfit, so to right. speak. Yeah. Uh, even pink. I remember one priest walking right. out singing, I, I feel pretty. Rose. I, think, oh, God. I know, I know, I know. I was like, hey, wait a minute, that's not shouldn't be singing that. But anyway. Yeah, so you've got all sorts of things going on. Yeah. Do do you, is that part of what you do then? Yes. Yeah. So one priest in one church may have liturgical needs for more than half a dozen different vestments. Vestments. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, bam, 
because you're, you're not a, you're not one of these little little nuns out there. Right. <laughs> you're actually here, and exactly. you're able to come in and say, "Hey, what do you what do you want? What do you need? Let's measure you and get you going." Exactly. Wow. And it's all tailor made. Like everything we do is custom. We're not sure. a catalog. Right. Since so you have. Places that do catalogs like Autumn or big companies like yeah. that. We're really an atelier too because of the workmanship that we're able to provide because it's not mass produced in a factory. No, but some of your symbols are going to so. be either the same or similar to other symbols that are already out there. I mean, um, Catholic it, symbols are Catholic symbols. And- certain things that they have on it, but like a lot of our fabrics we get from Europe too. So they're really beautiful, okay. expensive right. fabrics. We've even used fabrics with real gold and real silver thread mm. in them. So depending on what their budget is, we can really pull out all the stuff. Talk about <laughs> poverty here. <laughs> it's for God, though. It's to glorify God, not yeah, them. So, so people and don't it's understand work of art. The vow of poverty means that that Prius you're driving is doesn't belong to you, right? Father. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you might own your yeah. watch, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> and your clothes, but that's about all. Yeah. Okay. So, the, but the vestments then belong actually then to, to the, the order or the church. Yeah, the or church, the... the order, the parish. Okay. Yeah, typically. Or do some priests own their own vestments? Yes, I would say there are some like priests who do even some orders that will let certain priests have their own set because right. they're going to use it all their life and take it with sure. them when they're going to say mass somewhere. But when they die, it will. Five foot and weigh three hundred pounds. No one else is going to fit in your vest anyway. <laughs> right. so. Don't you know, laugh too much. That describes me pretty well. Anyway. <laughs> no, or they're going to, you know, pass it on to the order. So yeah. what's amazing though is that it's something that's really lasting. You know, if when it's a true work yeah. of art, that I know this vestment that I make is going to be around. It could be around if they're taking care of it for hundreds of years. Yeah, I've heard that they they do do that, and they, yeah. There are museum pieces that exactly. are out there. So that's, and there that's are museum the pieces that are out there right now that are on priests that are eventually right. going to be in museums. Exactly. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Sequoia Sierra, and she has been talking about her very unique, very interesting call in life to both be involved with the Norbertine community and to be involved on the secular side of the house because she's not a Norbertine properly. She's a lay Norbertine, so it's right. a proper lay Norbertine. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's when we come back, I want to talk about how this calling on yours has impacted you spiritually. Okay. I'm Rick Howick, and we will be like that. Here's a word of reflection from Christ's Cathedral Organist and host of Sounds from the Sanctuary, David Ball. In St. Louis, there used to be these sort of clubs for Eucharistic adoration. It was really people watching the church all night. Each person would take an hour with the Blessed Sacrament exposed. My parents, we, we used to do this a couple times. And so I remember going to St. Gabriel, the Archangel in South St. Louis. It would be one in the morning and you'd knock on the door and the one person who was scheduled for that hour would come out, look through a little peephole, let you in. And then you'd lock yourself in the church for an hour of stillness and meditation and prayer and whatever. And as a kid, it was interesting. It just introduced the idea of stillness to me at a young age. For more, come find us at spiritfilledmedia.org. That's spiritfilledmedia.org. Spirit-Filled Radio is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Sequoia Sierra. And Sequoia has been talking about how she is involved in kind of a hybrid lifestyle. And it's something very interesting because it's, it is about being a professed member of an order 
in a variety of profession that allows you to be kind of part-time involved there mm-hmm. and part of your life is very secular. Right. It still has a, a spiritual component to it, but uh, it's yes. still very secular. So, for example, you've been involved in costume design, and, and part of what you have been doing, which has been growing, is vestment design. Yes. And we were talking in the last section about, my gosh, the any one priest might have seven, eight, nine, ten vestments right. that are different for different parts of the year. Just an Advent, you're talking about having something that's going to have purple or pink or white, right? And and some of those might be useful for for one or two other days. The pink ones used twice of the year, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you mu- you're, you're going to need to have about ten ten vestment types, right? To be a fully um, fully full set, of a full set of priest. For- So you have the opportunity to design a very important and integral part of how this person acting in in the persona of Christ, how how this person represents Christ's priesthood to the world. How does this impact you? Yeah. Because you're not a nun, and yet you're not a layperson either. (laughs) Well, I am a layperson. Well, you are a layperson. But you follow (laughs) what I mean. You're you're, you're not an ordinary layperson. Right. (laughs) And and this is also something I'd like our listeners to to think about for a moment. She is very much an ordinary layperson. I mean, just in talking to her, she's very involved in in her world. But Not a usual one, I suppose. She's also, yeah, that's a good way (laughs) of putting it. Unusual. But it's something that could be far more usual for our listeners. Definitely. Uh, they don't have like a, a space requirement thing. We can fit as many people in the Norbertines <laughs> as we could, but it's not just the Norbertines. Right. Yeah, There's a number of different disorders. orders as well. Mm-hmm. You could become far more involved with your spirituality by at least looking into this. Exactly. So let me ask you just personally then. Right. Over the course of the last few years since you've been doing this, how has this impacted you? Well, I mean, like I had mentioned with the Carmelites, you know, thinking for so many years I was called to them. And while I love the Carmelite spirituality and they have their own lay order, I ended up with the Norbertines. You might wonder why. And part of, you know, and again, God uses everything with the work that I do, especially when it comes to the vestments and things like that. The liturgy has always been my obsession and making it beautiful, having it reverent. And that's a huge mark of the Norbertine spirituality. So that's why I felt so much at home. And that's why it just works so well with the work that I'm doing is that not only is it a part of my personal spirituality, but it's a very concrete, physical, tangible way of carrying that out because I literally make things that beautify the liturgy. So let's talk a little bit then about how this has impacted you, because Mm -hmm. for, for all of our talk about your life, it's still been a little analytical. We've been talking about this from the perspective, oh, I first I did this and then I did that. Right. (laughs) What does it feel like to be designing or to be working on or to be sewing on a vestment? What are you doing? Are you doing the rosary at the time? Are you too engaged to do the rosary Mm -hmm. at the time? And what is that like? Right. Well, it depends project to project. I mean, I do definitely try to keep a prayerful attitude about it, but it doesn't mean you can't listen to, you know, other music, especially if you're tired and you're trying to stay awake. Okay. <laughs> it's definitely not crazy music by anything. For me, like upbeat music is like a 1940s big band. So sometimes yeah. I will play that while I'm cutting out fabric. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. And that helps. Okay. Um, but other times I do play chant. Um, and then, you know, sometimes you can just, you know, mentally remember like, oh, I should offer this up for this priest. For you, though, while you're doing this, 
it therefore can be a a daily, yeah, daily prayer. Yeah, a part of your prayer. And then it's also touching eternity because like one priest even told me, he's like, you know, the vestments, every vestment you make, you receive graces from every single mass that will be said with those vestments worn. I didn't know that. I was like, wow, that is mind blowing. If that's not being a part of eternity, Somehow, like in a real, you know, leaving a legacy. I'm like, I don't know what is. So that's well, well, this is something that's interesting because a lot of people don't like to think about this. But I I think of people like, um, do you realize that what you do has an impact beyond you? And you're held accountable for that. Exactly. So so the the Adolf Hitlers of the world, that's an easy one to look at. The legacy that's left behind. If we assume for a moment at the very last second he repented just before the bullet went through him. Right. The purgatory that he has is not just for what he did. It's the legacy of what followed oh, afterwards. Right. Very true. But it works the other way around, too. Mm-hmm. The good that you do that results in more good yes. is also something that follows you. So for you, you're in the process of building uh, these, of, of designing and constructing these garments that are yeah. being used by priests in order to convey the mystical body of Christ in a liturgical setting that helps create that. Right, exactly. So it, the, the good that you're doing continues on after you. Yeah. There is benefit to you is what the priest is saying to you. Right. And even like the habits that we make for religious, I mean, some of them are cloistered. So if you imagine it's like clothing the bride of Christ, oh, wow. but the, all their prayers, I'm being a, somehow very intimately tied to those prayers that they're going to say for their whole life. I mean, some of these habits are probably going to be buried in. So it's amazing, you know, and you just even now it's just dawning on me just how good God is in that. Even though I had wanted to be a religious, that I'm be able to help so many priests and religious, maybe more than I would have in the convent. <laughs> and that's why he's using me this hey, way. Teresa of Lisieux. Teresa of Lisieux <laughs> wanted to be a missionary, never got out right. and she developed what, tuberculosis? Right. Yeah. And, and now she spends her eternity helping people who want to be missionaries. And exactly. That's so good. Yeah. So you who wanted to be a Carmelite, but God said no with your body because right. your body kind of That was the only thing that could dump keep on me you. out. <laughs> um, Right. Allows you now to help empower so many the more. deep spirituality mm-hmm. of people both within the convent and those who attend the liturgies. Right. Do you design for only the Norbertines? Oh, no. So, so yeah, all over the world. What are- kind, I was going to say, what you may not be able to tell us everyone, but tell us a little yeah. bit. What kinds of people are, what kinds of, of convents, what kinds of orders? Right. Are oh, gosh. With? Many various religious orders. I mean, we have everybody from Carmelites to Benedictines to Norbertines to, I mean, you name it. Okay. Um, a lot of diocesan, a lot of clients even that are international as well that I've, you know, made various things for, whether it's vestments, cassocks, albs, you name it. And then another way that I've really touched a lot of, I guess, regions, you could say, is that there is an organization that trains exorcists. And they graduate every two years. Exorcists? Exorcists. As in, as in casting out yes. demons type people. Okay. Yes. So they graduate a, a class of priests every two years. And I am their go-to person basically for the exorcism stalls. Uh, what? What? Yeah. I, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to go into great deal on that. I am aware that every diocese has to have an exorcist. And some of them have more than one. Right. They're generally not revealed as to who they are. Exactly. Outright. They're kept secret. Mm-hmm. Um. Some secrets are better kept than others. I know right. I know one or two. Mm-hmm. But um, tell me a little bit about what it is that you design that's specific to, yes. to exorcists. How is it different than, say, a regular priest's stole? stole. Or right. Like well, they're similar to the confessional stole, but they're much longer. And then we also, there, there's like a little 
thing up in the, I don't know if it's the ritual or what it was, but it, where, it, you know, the, the width that it should be. Um, I embed already exercised blessed medals also into the stole. So I embed a Benedictine medal, a miraculous medal, and a St. Michael medal. So this is kind of the equivalent to a bulletproof vest. You're, yes. You're ba- it's our, like, spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy artillery. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I make them for the exorcist according to, you know, their specific length that they need, yeah. according to their height. Because it's okay. lo- longer in order so that they can put it over the victim's head or yeah. shoulder without being, like, right up against them. Right. Um, okay. And they have to be washable yeah. um, because sometimes there is projectile vomit and those sorts yeah. of crazy, crazy sure. things. Yeah. So that is definitely a huge ministry project because it is so exhausting and there's a lot of spiritual attacks that happen I'll with bet. it. So it's it's not my favorite <laughs> thing to do, but I know it's so necessary. A lot of people yeah. don't know a whole lot about the ministry, and I don't want to go into a great deal right. about what I am aware of. But yeah. I am aware of there being a real spiritual war that is going on. Absolutely. And uh, it's it's not something that comes right out of the exorcist exactly, yeah. but it's, there is uh, definitely a, a diabolical war that's going on that's a very sophisticated war that's being waged by dioceses against uh, the powers that are dark. Yeah. And you're directly on the front line of designing some of the armor, so to speak, for that. Yeah. I mean, even I was having some problems, and so I called my confessor up, and, you know, I went and he gave me some special prayers he said over me. And in one of them, he said something to the effect of, and protect her as she forges the weapons against the ancient enemy. And I was just like... Oh wow, that's what yeah, I'm doing. That's right, you are. <laughs> that's that's really lady there. Yeah, um, but it's very yeah. very true what yeah. you're involved with. So, is, it is. Oh, wow. So exorcists, you're involved mm-hmm. with that. So this is specialty yeah. stuff that people trust you with. Exactly. Yeah. And this is not just for orders. Then is this also for dioceses or is right? This, it's okay. for priests for all over the world. Wow. Yeah. So let me let me ask this, and I I, I don't want to belabor this point, but I take mm-hmm. it some of these are going to be very expensive. Some of like so, the best and things. Of- sure, yeah. I mean, we're an atelier, so we're definitely different from like a catalog company yeah. where you can order. Well, I, I'm assuming that you have stuff for for very poor orders that are affordable. Right. We've done you know ministry sort but of. But you also have stuff that is very specialized. Yes, but the thing I always say, I don't make anything ugly. So <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just very uh. much about beauty. So if somebody is like wants a really run-of-the-mill, poly, undecorative, ugly <laughs> sort of design. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I will refer them, you know. Yeah. They want something very, very cheap. I'm like, I'm sorry, that's not what we do. We we do beautiful because I, I do. We're specialized on this. Right. And every piece I want, I want it to, that I make, I want it to be lasting to where mm. they're going to treasure it. And when they die, it's going to go on to their parish or order or whatever. And that will be used for generations. So wow. that's my purview when I create and design things. So by the time we're done, we're talking about you, you've been commissioned to create a work of art. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's a... It's a it's Usable, a, it's, wearable. It's a, it's a performance art. Yes. Performance <laughs> well, is the wrong yeah. term to use because I don't mean performance <laughs> that way, but you, you perform functions in it. Exactly. It's, it's something to be used in the ministry. Right. So do you have a number of employees? Do you, are you on your own? I mean, do you, do you contract out? How do you keep yes. up with this? It sounds like a... 
it can be a feast or famine type industry. Right, definitely. But um, because, like you had mentioned, like historically we had talked about how there was always nuns. You don't have that anymore. A lot of the older nuns have passed away. And a lot of the younger ones, you know, most millennials don't know how to sew. So <laughs> they're like, oh, no. So a lot of orders are realizing, what do we do? And so the other thing that's been helpful is growing up with a religious order, because, you know, the Carmelites did raise me in part. I under, have an understanding of religious life, even aside from being a lay Norbertine to begin with. And so that's been really helpful with these religious orders to have the correct sensitivity that needs to be held with these sorts of things. So I think that's why we've been blessed to have so many um, come to me to be the person to help them with these things. Wow. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Sequoia Sierra, and we have been talking about her ministry of creating um, vestments and habits for priests and nuns who need to have these very specialized habits, including not only confessors, but exorcists. And what this has meant to her and how this has affected her. When we come back, I want to ask about how this can affect the rest of you. And we will be right back. Some powerful words of reminder regarding our retired priests. Listen to Joan Patton from the Praying for Priests and Families podcast. You know, as you would say, their peers die and perhaps even their extended family die. And I realized, like, we're all they have left. And, like, who takes care of elderly parents? The children. <laughs> and so right. to pay attention, if you know a retired priest in your area, go visit him. Go pray with him. Take him out to dinner. Find out if he needs to go shopping, just as you would do for your elderly parents. Because there's a particular loneliness that often retired priests experience. But there's a beautiful faithfulness. I knew a, a retired priest here in the Diocese of Orange, and he would say Mass every day at his kitchen table, regardless if somebody was there or not. And I just thought, oh, he is sustaining this part of the world with his prayers. For more great content, check out spiritfilledradio.org. Spiritfilled Radio is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. Spiritfilledradio.org. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been Sequoia Sierra. And before I go any further, I want to make sure I stop for a moment and thank you so very much. Thank you. For coming on here. Uh, when we get to the end of the show, it could get kind of rushed. So I just want to make sure I've taken a moment to say, wow, thank you for taking the time to come out of here course. to the Diocese of Orange, the eighth floor and the Tower of Hope, <laughs> to be able to, to talk about this very important ministry that you do and how interesting it is and I think how inspiring it is Thank you. To live a life, well, it's not entirely your fault, (laughs) (laughs) but to live a life that is both professed and Norbertine on the one hand, but as a lay professed Norbertine, on the other, also living your life in the secular world and how you've been able to both do a secular job as as a seamstress designer and to be involved in the creation of vestments, a very liturgically engaged very important ministry and how they've blended together and impacted your life so much, how you wanted to be a nun. And in a way you really are, but on, <laughs> on your own, it's, I, I don't know how to put that because it's not quite right, but I think right. you know what I'm trying to no, say. I, I know You've yeah. developed a life ministry. Right. Thank you for sharing that with us Thank today. 
And that kind of brings up a little bit about the people that are listening. We, we talked a little bit about how they can be involved with an order if that's something they feel right. called to do. Not everyone is able, though, to even do that for Correct. whatever reasons. Uh, it can be hard to have time off from work or time mm-hmm. away to be able to go every day to a place like the Abbey. Right. Um, but nevertheless, we were talking earlier about how there are ways for people to be involved more spiritually in their lives that you've learned from doing what you do. Right. Tell me a little bit about what you're thinking in that direction. Yes. I mean, one thing about the lay order, it's really just a further emphasized call on, you know, what we're all called to with Christian perfection and holiness. And I feel lay orders kind of lay it out for you a bit more in how to make it a little bit more achievable in your secular lay life. But even if somebody cannot, you know, be committed to a particular order or necessarily even feels called to like a Carmelite or Franciscan spirituality or an Orbertine or whatever it may be, we're all called to holiness and we're all called to be Eucharistic. That sets us apart from, you know, other Christian denominations in that we do have the true presence of our Lord with us, you know, body, blood, soul and divinity. So I think starting there is a huge thing for Catholics. So whether it's adoration, whether it's five minutes or an hour, whatever it is that you can fit in in your week to do it. Um, and our Lord really just works on you. And during those times of transition, when I did do a lot more adoration, you know, when I was searching, things unfold and the answers happen. So God, God listens. Um, and then you need to listen too to him. Um, but I think that that is just will change your life. It's a very interesting adoration. We are human beings, meaning that we, we exist. We, we're beings. Right. We're not human doings. Exactly. <laughs> but that being said, we're called to do. Right. Part of our being is to also engage life, the purpose of having life. And this is such a great mystery for those of us who are in the pro-life movement. Right. When we contemplate all the millions of lives who have not had the opportunity yeah. to realize anything beyond conception. Right. And how I am glad I am not on God in dealing with this. Right. But appreciating what I do have without understanding the whys and wherefores for what, what these people don't have. I have been given a life, and I've got imperfections in my world, um, mm-hmm. but I have a lot of abilities. If I am what I am as a human being, what am I right. doing with my being? Right. And and you're living out a hybrid life that's a, a – pardon me for saying it. You, I'm the one saying it, not you. Okay. But it's a great example of Thank how you. to be and do uh-huh. at the same time because a I lot try. of what you do with the Norbertines <laughs> is about being and just existing and just and taking it in and praying yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But then taking that with you and going, you know, right. mass is over, now go live it. <laughs> right, exactly. So I've got daughters and they do different things and they're mm-hmm. finishing up college and that type of thing. And they're all very talented in different ways. Mm-hmm. So we've had our conversations about how do you use your talents for God? What would you say? You have you you don't have a, a a married family life, so right. you're limited, I'm sure. But what would you say to your daughter, if you had one, about what she should be considering and how she's a human being okay. before God? Oh, that's a that's a big question. Well, in light um, of what you, you've been, <laughs> in light of what you've been and what you've done, right? I mean, for me, it would definitely just be focused that God is everything, and you know, at the end of the day, nothing on this life matters, and it's realizing that. And even though we know that, even though I was taught that, I still had to 
kind of find my own journey. So I think no matter what family a child, you know, is raised in, that they are eventually going to have to find and realize that for themselves. We all have a conversion, you know, in quotes, so to speak. And I had mine at 12. (laughs) You know, we're all different ages when that when that happens and it, it hits us and we realize, you know what? No, this is what matters to me. And then from there, then everything kind of flows. But I also believe that any good desire, God works through. So like my desire for design, Mm -hmm. it was just as strong almost. Well, not quite as strong as a religious call to religious life, (laughs) but it was it was the next strongest calling. And look what God did. So I knew that was God. So I think any good legitimate desire is from God and to follow that, because in following that, it will lead you to what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to live out the way he made you to love him. Basically, you were talking earlier about the Hollywood groups mm-hmm. and how that can be a hard place right. to exercise your Christianity. But there are ways still to use uh, a voice or to use right. acting ability. Absolutely, for God, absolutely. Just as you were able to use your your design and sewing ability mm-hmm. for God. What about people that are interested in doing what you're doing? I was just seeing a study that was very depressing about millennials, and uh, there's one study out that says only one-third believe in there being a God, let alone wanting to serve God. Uh, I don't know how accurate that is, Mm -hmm. but it is in line with some other surveys that suggest that might be close to being true. Right. Wow. Yet this minority is still very, some of them are very, very devout. Right. You, for example, you need seamstresses. Right. Not that we're putting an advertisement out there for people to to call you on that, but you need seamstresses that are seamstresses for God. Right. I mean, you'll hire whoever you need to hire, but you would like to have Catholics, creative Catholic Mm -hmm. artists who want to come in and be a part of this vestment community. Exactly. There are other people out there who are doing other things for God that are also looking for people. Exactly. So start asking. And the good place to start would be the Norbertines. Right. Or your local order <laughs> yeah. to do this kind of thing. Exactly. Or your parish. Are there things that you would do differently now that you know kind of where you've been? What else would you be doing? What else did you consider? Those are really the only things I, I considered um, besides maybe law. Yeah. But I kind of early on figured out I didn't really want to be your regular lawyer. Right. Now, canon law, maybe, <laughs> maybe that one day that might be, you know, something I might want to get into because it's or summers and get your license. Right. <laughs> it's, it's always been of interest to me and it's just never gone away. So I always, like I said, any good desire, I'm like, all right, this must be from God. So I need to look into it. Have you had any disappointments in oh, what right. you've done? No, I think I would just wish I could tell myself, like, calm down. <laughs> it's all going to work out. <laughs> Don't be so anxious. Trust God and just focus on gratitude. Because um, even the millennial thing about a lot of them not believing in God, I think it's just they're not focusing on gratitude. If you're if you stop wow. and you look at your life and you're like, what can I be grateful for? Then you realize that there is something other than you out there orchestrating, guiding, protecting, shielding you from so much else. And if I look on my life, you know, I think even St. Therese says her life is just the mercies of God. Even the things that didn't happen, you know, that God protected her yeah. from. And I, I can see well, that as well. she wanted to be a missionary and right. she never got to, to leave. But she said, you know, for her, God was, she owed God, St. Teresa said she owed God more than St. Mary Magdalene owed him. Because she, she said he allowed St. Mary Magdalene to fall and to live that life of a prostitute. And yet God didn't permit that for St. Therese. He protected her from even having to go through that. So I feel very much like St. Therese in that sense, in that he, 
he has protected me through so much that I didn't have to experience certain ugly things. But again, it's it's all about gratitude and just being grateful for whatever it is. And and I, it's not like to say my life has been perfect. We've had immense trauma in my family. But you're normal. But, right. <laughs> um, but even that I can be grateful for. And now, of yeah. course, when you're going through it, it's very, very difficult. But if we look with gratitude on everything, then I think that really makes us realize, like, no, God is out there or else I wouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, again, I want to thank you for coming in and talking to us about your ministry. How, as a layperson, you're also involved with this this professed order of the Norbertines and how, as part of what you do, you design vestments. And people who go to Mass at some of these places, they're looking at what you create in order to help glorify God. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Would you please lead us in a word of prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings. Help us to always view and look on our lives with gratitude, seeing your hand guiding us through everything. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. Well, Sequoia has been involved with a number of different uh, organizations, groups, things that she's done. But the most important thing that she's been involved with has been the Norbertine community and how that's resulted in her being able to create vestments for priests. You, too, can be involved in living out what God has called you to be. Uh, and a good place to start would be a spiritual director, which is where right. Sequoia started. And I want to thank all of you who are listening. If you liked the broadcast today, you can hear this again by going to Orange County Catholic Radio, OCCatholic.com. And by going to OCCatholic.com, that actually includes all of the um, reporting for the diocese. You can go to the radio tab, and at the radio tab, you'll see that we produce a number of different shows, this, of course, being the flagship show, and you can tap on the link there, and it will take you to this shortly after it's been broadcast and cleaned up and ready to be replayed in a podcast. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and I thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week. for listening to Spirit-Filled Radio. Have you ever heard of the word concupiscence? Well, either way, check out this tremendous word of wisdom from a young priest named Father Tim Donovan. Concupiscence is difficult. As we say, it was removed, our original sin is removed at our baptism, but concupiscence remains. It's kind of, I get frustrated with that sometimes. I'm like, Lord, I thought you would save us from these things, you know? But really, grace is, and virtue is in the battle. Virtue is in the struggle. And so concupiscence in us is this, what the church defines it as, like this leaning, this, that we are more, probably have a more proclivity in us to do things that aren't good for us than to do the good. And so the good is a battle. It's an uphill thing. I always tell people that, like, water doesn't run uphill. Water runs downhill, and our humanity is going to go to the easy thing and so much of our sin is the easy thing that's what concupiscence is is this leaning towards like the easy way right rather than the the holy way which is uphill and grace draws water uphill for more great content check out spiritfilledradio.org spiritfilled radio is in partnership with the roman catholic diocese of orange in southern california spiritfilledradio.org Are we being good role models for our young people today? 
Here's an inspired word from Armando Cervantes, a recent guest on the Empowered by the Spirit radio show. There's a study that says that our people at least need five role models as teenagers and young adults, five role models that are older adults so that they can model the faith in a healthy way. But many times that's not what we see. I mean, our church should be full of models, right, of of role models, of mentors, and we're missing that, right? We have people who just go to church on Sunday, sit there, receive communion, and leave. That communion should have been the impetus for us to go out and minister, go out and serve. Some people say to me, listen, Armando, you talk about the homeless. I can't go do that. That's not my thing. That's fine. Minister a young person. They need something. You're great in finances. Great. You can teach and model that to a young person who's hungry for that skill. Your skill that God has given you can be used in our church. And sometimes our churches haven't done the best job in making that connection. But that doesn't mean that you can't go up and say, this is my gift. How can I be of service? For more great content, check out spiritfilledmedia.org. Spiritfilled Media is in partnership with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. For more, go to spiritfilledmedia.org.